God has a plan, doesn't he? Come on. Today, church, God has a plan. He is in control. God's in control and he has a plan. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Who believes that God has a plan today? Does everyone here believe? Yes, amen. God has a plan. There has never, ever been a time in history that his kingdom has not continued to move forward. The nations have changed. Rulers have come and gone, right? Borders have changed. But God's kingdom that Jesus Christ established himself has continued to grow and be furthered, and it has not changed. The enemy has tried to suffocate God's kingdom. He has tried to bring in communist rule to nations like China, and what happened? The church excelled and grew. He tried to push the church down, and it went underground, and it grew so rapidly that they didn't know what to do. So they started persecuting the church even harder. And all it did was make it grow greater. Amen. God's kingdom is the kingdom that we are a part of. God's kingdom, it will be established step by step, piece by piece, until it is finished, and it will not be stopped. And we thank the Lord that we have been so blessed in this nation. God has truly blessed us in America. People around the world throughout the last hundreds of years, their greatest desire was to get here to this nation. Even to this day, there is, I don't know if you saw it, but there is an enormous crowd. They don't know what they're going to do, but I just happened to see this picture Right There's this movement. They've done it before, and they, what they do is they come from South America and then uh, through Middle America, and so they don't even know what nations these people are from, but there is an enormous crowd that is moving north, and there's this desire to get here because of who we are. Now, you can... I'm not even going to get into what it means and <laughs> politics of it. I'm just making the point that there is a desire here because we are truly special, we're not better than anyone else. We certainly should not have pride and think that we're better because we're Americans. That's not God. That's the devil. But there has been a blessing here that the world recognized. There would be no, they would not want to come here if they didn't recognize. I may not call it God, but there has been a blessing here to this nation that their greatest desire, right? I mean, all of our ancestors, I think, in this room, uh, I mean, eventually someone came here, right? Eventually, but I mean, even in the last, like, I think everybody in this room, probably within 150 years, maybe some of your ancestors go further back, but both, both of my sides, within that 150 years, that desire to escape the bondage or the trouble that they were facing in their nation, and let's get to America because that's a land where we can be free and be blessed and prosper, etc. God has truly blessed us, and I want to just be thankful today again. I want to just thank him. God, we just thank you for this nation, and we thank you, Lord, for the freedoms that we have and that you have fought for this nation. God himself fought for this nation. You go back to our forefathers. 
you go back to the pilgrims, the very, very, very beginning, and their desire was to have a land where they could worship God freely. They didn't come here for gold. Don't let history start to get changed. Don't let them start to, they're going to try to erase the history. The real history is they came to this nation so they could worship God freely, so that they could not be told this is how to worship, this is how to pray, and there was a freedom. There was a freedom in the original intent of coming here, and God covenanted with those people throughout history, those that truly said, God, if you will bless this nation, we'll honor you, and his covenant is still there. It's certainly trying to be shaken loose, but it's still there, and we just thank the Lord for that today. Amen. I want to talk to you today, uh, I want to continue talking to you, that this is a time to stand. I want you to say it out loud. This is a time to stand. This is not a time to cower. This is not a time to bow, but this is a time to stand. I started my sermon last week, and then sometimes we get into the sermon, and maybe you don't remember it, so I'm just saying that I said that last week to intro the sermon, that it's a time to stand, and I want you to hear that again. This is a time to stand. And the Bible says in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 10, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. We are not standing in our own strength. We are not standing uh, in uh, an ideal or standing upon uh, even principles. All those things are fine and, and those things matter, but we must realize that we represent the kingdom of God, that we have been separated from this world. The Bible says clearly and over and over again, that we are not of this world. And yet, we're still here. Okay, we're not of this world, but we are in this world, the Bible says, doesn't it? In it, but not of it. If we were just supposed to come to Christ and be saved, and that was it, then there'd be no reason for us to live on this earth. There is a reason that we are here. Otherwise, he could just say, okay, you finally said yes to me, you finally submitted to me, Let's go. Takes us to heaven. But we are on this earth to represent him and then to extend that representation into others, right? That is, there is a reason that we are here. We are, and each of us has, we're all so different, and thank God for that, right? That we all are different. We all have a different part to play. But all of us on this earth if we will submit to God and submit to his kingdom, have a piece and a part to play in furthering his kingdom in this earth, standing for his kingdom, even in the midst of the world changing. And so we must realize that it's, we've, been, we've said this verse so many times this year, but I needed to bring it up again, that it's in the Lord. Everybody say, in the Lord. And then you may know it as in the power of his might or mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. So how do we stand firm? It is not by power. It's not by might, right? 
It's by standing in the Lord. It is by recognizing that it's him and him alone and putting on his armor. Then we'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil, for we are not fighting. Now, I, I believe that we need to hear this again today because there are flesh and blood that submit to the devil, and in God's way, in his time, we don't fight that battle, but the Lord does direct. He does deal with flesh, and we just let the Lord deal with it in his way, shape, or form. I'll leave that there. But we must know that we're not fighting, though, against flesh and blood. I've mentioned this many times this year and in this season, but you need to know this is not a flesh and blood battle that's on the earth. This is not a left and right. This is not a color versus color. This is not flesh against flesh, but there is a spiritual war that started with Adam and Eve. Satan is desiring that the earth be his kingdom, and God established this earth as our kingdom. Amen. That's the Bible. And thank the Lord that Jesus redeemed us by his blood and that he will establish a kingdom again on this earth that the devil cannot corrupt or touch ever again. Thank you, Lord. But in the meantime, there is a battle, and if it's warning us that we're not fighting against flesh and blood, that is telling us that at times flesh and blood may come against you. You might feel the abrasiveness of flesh and blood, but just know that it's against the evil rulers, and your list might be a little different depending on your translation, but the point is that there is an unseen kingdom there are evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. There's powers and levels of tears of that against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. The, the war that is going on in the entire world, including what is going on in the United States of America right now, is a war of the powers of darkness against God. All right, that is the war. And I'm not here to tell you who's on which side. That is not my position today. I don't even want to touch that today. I just want you to be aware what I believe you already know, but just to remind you again that there is a war. That's what's going on. It is not against people, and that's where the Bible says to stand firm. You must get into the Lord. You must stand in Him. And uh, even Dawn and I were discussing on the way here with so much truth and facts and lies all being thrown around, how can you possibly know who's telling the truth? How can you really know, right? Because they're able today, they can make photos, they can make videos, we could, on all sides, we could just make it up and it can, you could say, I can see it with my own eyes. I mean, I, I'm not a professional, but I took uh, communications in college, I could create videos and photos that you would swear, you could zoom in and swear that Dawn has a beard on her face. I'll make the hair follicles come out of the, <laughs> out of the cells of her face. So believable that you would say, I can, you can't, it's there, I see it. And it's just fake. So how do we know? We need the spirit of the Lord in this hour. I know I sound like a broken record with that, but we need to stand in the Lord. We have to be so deep in him, so inside of that secret place of God, so under the covering that 
we can decipher what is truth and what is not. Even Pilate said to Jesus, what is truth? Because, you know, here's the Son of God. There, there's a Roman occupation over the Jews. You know, he doesn't, Rome doesn't believe that these Jews are, you know, really no God. They've got their own gods. And then you got the Greek gods, which were similar, but not quite, you know, exactly the same. And, you know, little bit differences up there. And so you've got all this going on. And, and then they're surrounded. Rome is also conquering all these other nations and all these other gods. I mean, what is truth? How can you possibly discern it? We must have the Spirit of the Lord to know what is right and wrong, what is left and right, what is the way to go, etc. We must realize that there is a spiritual war, that there is a darkness that is coming over the whole world, including the United States of America, and then we must stand, and all, the only way to stand firm is to stand in the Lord. And it says, therefore, verse 13, uh, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will be standing firm. So the Bible says that there is a spiritual war, and the Bible says that there will be battles. It says after the battle, which means what? I mean, this is pretty simple. If the Bible says after the battle, that means that you will go through a battle. If it's after the battle, that means expect to go through battles. But if you stand in me and you trust in me, then when it's all the dust clears, you'll still be standing firm because you were armored in me and did not trust in your own strength and in yourself and even in what you think you know. We all think we're right. That's what the Bible says, right? Everyone else is wrong, and we're right. Even in this room, not, don't get offended at me, but each of us has our little divisions of opinions. We're like mostly all on the same page, but in this room, every single person, even in my own household, right? I mean, I don't know what's in our hearts. Doesn't know what's, we, we're, we're on the same page, but you know, we're not telling each other where we kind of just, just a little bit where we divide here or there, right? That's just in our own heart. We don't even know that, though. That's not division, but that's just humanity because we all think we're right and everyone else is, is wrong, or we think you're just a little bit wrong. You're not off. You're just a little bit off, but I'm right. And so we must, because all that dust, that's just like, that's just the chaos and the craziness of being in a human body. You just have to, that's why we just trust in the Lord. We don't look to the left or the right. You know what the Lord showed me this week was, you know, the horses, they put those things on their eyes. I meant to look up the name for them. Blinders? Blinders. We need some blinders right now because we must be focused on the purpose because we do not have time. I said this last year, but I'm, I mean, I'm, if I couldn't be more serious now, I'm being serious. We must not pick fights with each other. We do not have time. The horse next to us, we're on the same, come on, we are on the same journey here. We're heading towards the same direction. We're all heading towards heaven, heading towards the kingdom of God. And we can worry about all the little stuff. We'll find out the little places and the little things that we disagreed on. We'll find out in heaven, I promise you. And it won't matter then either. You'll find out and you won't care anymore. We need some blinders on our eyes so that we can focus on what is truly important and what truly matters. 
There are uh, sayings, there's all kinds of sayings, but I like to say major on the majors and minor on the minors. Right? That's what we need to do right now. And so the Bible says, and you may know it as this. I'm going to read it out of the New King James Version. Go back to, I'm going to read 13 again. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all. Everybody read this out loud. Having done all to stand. Verse 14, stand therefore. Having done all to stand, verse 14, stand therefore. And that's where we're at. We're focused. Our eyes are set on him. We've done all to stand, and now we just must stand therefore. We've armored ourselves in him. We're trusting in him. We know, okay, Lord, you already warned us there's a battle coming. In fact, I believe we're already in it but it's coming in an even greater way. But I'm not worried. I'm not in fear because I'm trusting in you. I know you're going to clear out all the confusion and all the dust. All of that will settle in its time and in its way. And in the end, I'll be standing still looking at you like I was before it began. And there will be ca casualties. There will be those that started and quit there'll be those that hated him from the beginning and hate him in the end that's the part you can't worry about you can't do anything about you just keep standing you keep preaching you love those around you you tell them the truth and at that point you need to let them make their decision you can't force anybody into the kingdom you can't force listen is anybody in here i already went over our hearts and our opinions is anybody in here moved by somebody else taking a hammer and whacking it on your head. Is anybody moved by that? You know what that does? Makes you want to go get your hammer and hit them back. That's humanity. You are not going to whack your opinions over someone's head and then walk away and you think, I think I did it. I think I convinced them. No, what you did was you gave them a concussion. That's what you did. They look like they're listening because they're on the ground dead. They can't even take it. You just pummeled them. You need to speak the truth. You know what? Don't be offended. You can tell people your opinion, but just let it be there. In the end, God is going to settle it all out. You need to just, you need to keep preaching the gospel, keep speaking the truth, and standing righteous. This is a moment to stand for justice and righteousness and stand for truth. And then you need to, and love. Love, man, love is like the thread that ties it all together. If you do anything without love, you know what the Bible calls it? The clanging of symbols. Right? The Bible says it's like the clanging of symbols. It's, it's just noise. We must do it all in love. And then at that point, they hate Jesus as the epitome of love. I mean, he was love in the flesh. I mean, all of love that we don't even understand. I mean, <laughs> I, I bring up many times that I love science and I love the depth of space and and, uh, and just the intricacy of how God's creation, it's just, it's like, it's overwhelming to me. I love it. But it's so deep, we're just barely scratching the surface on things. We don't even, the Amazon, what is what, 90-something percent unexplored? We know, like, nothing about the ocean because it's so big and so deep, right, the percentage-wise. 
that's really God's love. We barely even scratched the surface, but Jesus was the fullness of it. We don't understand it, but he stood there in the fullness of it, and they still hated him and put him on a cross. So you do it in love. You stand in love. You stand and you preach the gospel in love. And when they hate you, don't be surprised. Don't be offended. Just keep standing. And if they kill you, then they kill you. But you stood in love and in truth and in righteousness to the very end. Amen. Amen. Who wants to hear that sermon again? That's where we're at. And so I want to quickly just read through some verses here for our next little bit. But I love the book of Daniel. That's my intro, and I want to go right into Daniel. And I want you to go right into this with me. Come on, let's stay together. It's time to stand strong. Daniel chapter 6, verse 1, talks about a time that it was... Uh, that the earth was changing, kingdoms were changing, and you had to make the decision to stand or not. And Daniel chapter 6 verse 1 says, Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each of those 120 provinces. And then the king chose Daniel and two other administrators to supervise over those 120 to protect the king's interest. So Daniel is one of three, only right below the king. Daniel was a eunuch. He was literally a, a, a slave that was taken from Israel and now is suddenly, because that's what God does, if you honor him, God put the ability in him, but you know, God puts abilities in humans and they use their voice, right? We see this in the world. Secular singers, they use their voice for the devil. They use their sports skills for the devil, right? They use their, their strengths for the devil. Just because God put it inside you doesn't mean that it's automatic. But Daniel recognized what God put in him, and he didn't let his circumstances stop him from being who God called him to be. He let the circumstances direct him into a position where God could use what he put inside him for his glory. Amen. And that's just the backdrop. You know that, but I just wanted to remind you of Daniel. So here's Daniel, and God has raised him supernaturally through the ranks to be one of three only right below the king of this entire kingdom. 120 provinces, and Daniel is over them. And the Bible says, verse Three, Daniel soon proved himself more capable than the other two. And because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Wow. You know, I don't think Disney has done it justice. These fictional characters talk about a character, you guys love, you guys ever seen the movie The Count of Monte Cristo or read the book, Count of Monte Cristo? Anybody in here? Well, Dawn has seen it because I've made her watch it with me. You've seen it. And it's a story about a guy who is wrongfully accused, put in prison, <clears throat> and it's a redemption story. He's got to go through things in his heart, but he's redeemed and becomes incredibly wealthy and successful 
and uh, I'll let you watch the movie because I recommended it. But basically, uh, God had to step in. He writes on the wall, he carves it into the wall, that God is my judge. And that is what, really, it's a picture of Daniel. It's a picture of what's about to happen here. It says that Daniel had proved himself, and, and now the king's going to put him in place. Verse 4 says that he was faithful and always responsible and completely trustworthy. Daniel was faithful. It's not a guarantee in this natural realm here that, uh, that the world will always notice you, but God notices your faithfulness always. I want you to know that, that even if the world doesn't recognize your faithfulness, God does, and it's not a guarantee. I don't want to make this a doctrine. People take things out of the Bible, and then they make them like fact. It's doctrine. If you are faithful to God, you're going to be promoted and you're going to work in government one day. That's not what it means, but this is what it means. It means that if you stay faithful to the Lord, the Bible says that he was faithful and he was always responsible and he was completely trustworthy. And the world recognized that he had submitted himself to what God put in him. Does that make sense? God has put in abilities and gifts and things. And if we apply ourselves to those things that God gave us, it's not you, it was always God. We can either get bitter, we can use them for ourselves, or we can use them for the Lord, and that's what he chooses to do, and so a promotion came. But the devil is trying to build his kingdom and is always pitting and pushing and placing to get his kingdom above God's kingdom. He can't have, Satan cannot have Daniel over his Babylonian empire. That's not going to work. This is my Babylon, Satan's thinking. And now Daniel's moving up the ranks. And the Bible says in verse 4 again that the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault. <clears throat> began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn because he was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. There is an enemy who wants to take away your influence. Let me give you this guarantee. If you apply yourself to the gifts and the abilities that God has put inside you, I am not promising you an earthly promotion, but I will promise you this, that the enemy will try to remove your influence in this world. He does not want your mouth preaching the gospel and standing as a man or woman of God in a place where people could recognize, hey, this is not just them. This is the Lord working through them. And he will devise plots and plans to try to bring you down. We trust in the Lord, don't we? We don't worry about these things. We just stay focused and stay faithful. Amen. I'm letting you know that it's going to happen but we're not worried because we're already going back to Ephesians 6. I'm just going to keep standing. Things are going to change. Battles are going to come and go. But I'm going to keep standing. I'm going to stand when it's easy, and I'm going to stand when it's hard. That's what I do. I stand for the Lord. I don't choose to stand because now suddenly we're called to arms and we must stand. No, we must not stand now. We should be standing already and continue standing. Amen. If you're not standing so far then yes, it's time to stand, but we want to stay consistently standing. Amen. 
So they concluded, verse 5, our only chance at finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. Accusing, to discredit, they literally had a pre-planned attack setting a trap to be able to accuse you of stepping in to what they set up for you. So what he does, he sets up the trap, and there is no way for you to avoid it. You step into it and then accuse you for stepping into it. That's Satan. Who's ever gone through that in their life? Where Satan has set up a trap for you, and you just, because you have to go, you have to step into it. There's no other way. You can't back down. You have to stand for the Lord. But you know it was a trap, but you just have to go through it. Who's ever been in a time you just have to go through it? There's times we pray it away. There's times that we can step around it. And there's times that you have to just go through the battle, but we trust in the Lord and he'll get us through. Amen. All right, those times will come. I love when the Lord gives me a bypass, but it doesn't always happen. Those are usually the fringe events. Usually it's to go through it because we grow, we're strengthened, we know him greater, we know ourselves greater, we know our weaknesses, and we know our strengths, and we know where we need him more. Amen. And so it says in verse 6 that the administrators and high officers went to the king and they said, Long of the king, long of King Darius, and it says in verse 7, We're all in agreement, which is not true, is a lie because Daniel was not here. Daniel's not in agreement. This was a setup. This is a trap. This is from the pit of hell, obviously. Uh, the Bible says, you know, the Bible says why they crucified Christ. You know, the Bible actually gives us the definition. It says that they crucified Christ because of jealousy and envy. It literally says it in the word. We don't have to wonder, like, why did they put him on the cross? He was so amazing, and he did all these miracles. How come they couldn't see it? Their jealousy and their envy was so strong, the Bible says it blinded them. It blinded them to who Jesus was. They were so uh, obsessed with being the rulers that even when he was raised from the dead, they said, we have to stop. We just read this in Acts, right, if you've been doing our Bible reading. We have to stop them because it was going to be infringing on their power and on their place of position and so we're all in agreement we administrators officials high officers advisors and governors that the king should make a law be strictly enforced give orders that for the next 30 days any person who prays to anyone divine or human except to you your majesty will be thrown into the den of lions and now your majesty issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. Verse 10. Everybody say, but. When you read the word but in the Bible, get ready for the story. Right? Get ready for where it's going to go. Okay, that's the setup. Here's the story. Amen. It says, but when Daniel learns that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem, and he prayed three times a day just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Wow. I've got five things I want to just break down verse 10 and to say. This new law was signed, and his faith, is going to be challenged. Now, Daniel's going to come through it. We know the story, but it's still going to be a challenge against his faith. Point number one, everybody say this out loud. When Daniel heard 
the news. <laughs> Who's heard some news recently? Who's tired of hearing news? Who wishes that the news was shut off? <laughs> I just read a Civil War quote because I'm going to read one in a few minutes. But I read one last night that said, I wish I could just kill all the reporters. It was one of the generals. I don't remember which one. But one of the generals said, I wish I could just kill them all. He says, but if I do, then we'll get a report from hell in the morning. Think about that. If I kill all the reporters, then hell will report. What's he trying to say? Where does it come from? It's not the people. That's just what the news is, what the reporters are. It's just, all, it's just brings you down, right? It's literally, we literally have what's called the good news. I think the Lord gave it to us 2,000 years ago in advance to combat the bad news. Because that's all that news is, is bad news. It's really hard to find good news, isn't it? It's all just bad news. But the Bible says, when he heard the news, he did not fear, he did not worry. And I thought about this. It may have flashed across his brain, as thoughts do, but he made a decision to ignore the news. He ignored the law because he knew the capital L, lawmaker. I'm going to say that again. He ignored the law because he knew the capital L, lawmaker, and ignored the news. Point number two, and I love this. Come on, who loves this, this story and this portion right here? Man, verse 10 is so powerful. We can learn so much, and this is what I really want you to get this today. It says that he went home and knelt down as usual. What does that mean? What does usual mean? Usual means usual. It means he had already formed a pattern. It means that he didn't suddenly pray. It means that he didn't say, man, oh boy, I haven't been praying. I'm caught off guard. I better pray. It means usual. It means he did what he's been doing all along because he had already been standing for God. That's why he's moving up the ranks. Some people, they get prophecies from God or they read promises in the word and they wonder, God, you didn't do this and you didn't do that. And they forget that it's a step-by-step -step standing continually all the way through. We cannot blame God when things shake us suddenly and we haven't been standing up until that point. But if you've been standing, doesn't mean it's easy to hear in the natural, but you're ready for it because you've been standing with him all through it. Amen. And he prayed three times a day just as he had always done. Not when he heard the news, but he did what he had already been doing. His pattern was this is what he did. I trust in God. I'm praying to my God. I'm leaning on my God. And the news could shake me. In fact, my human mind wants to be shaken. But why would I be shaken when I've been trusting him thus far? He relied on God in good times and the bad times. Times where he understood what God was up to and times when he could have wondered where God was. It's time to stand our ground by kneeling down. This is such a key point we must get. 
it's much easier to stand for a principle that we've already been standing for, if we've already been kneeling and kneeling and kneeling, then we'll continue much easier than the shock of suddenly having to kneel to stand. Otherwise, depending on the threats and the circumstances, we evaluate if it's worth standing for. If you don't make a pattern of standing continually every day, you always stand, then as you hear the news, you will make a micromanaged decision in your pea-sized brain. That's why we don't rely on this brain, but we rely on the Spirit of the Lord. You will make a wrong decision to evaluate and decide if it's worth standing for or not. If you haven't already decided that I'm standing no matter what. Amen? We must be a people who kneel down as usual, just as we've always done. If we're trained in prayer constantly, then our first instinct, when a circumstance arises, is to do what we know. And I feel like the Lord said it's a spiritual muscle memory. You know that muscle memory, right? Anybody who plays sports, you don't have to think about how to throw the ball if you've been throwing the ball your whole life. In fact, you know, you go out and you have a catch and you're having a conversation most of the time, right? You don't even know you're throwing the ball anymore. You're just throwing the ball, catching the ball. And same thing with riding things. You know, when we ride these things that we're balancing around, I'm not thinking about left, right, forward, backwards anymore. My body's actually doing something. It's kind of weird because my mind is actually controlling this without me even being aware of it. And in the same way, we must have a spiritual muscle memory. Our first instinct when something happens or we hear the news is to say, yes, Lord, we trust in you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, God, that you're going to do it. I'm just going to pray to you because that's what I always do. We don't make a decision even to pray. We just pray because that's what we do. Amen. Why would we do anything else? The third thing we can get from this is that it says that he gave thanks to his God, that he was praying, giving thanks to God. When you hear bad news, is your first instinct to go thank God. That's not my first instinct in my natural man. But it's because he wasn't a natural man, he was a spiritual man. And it says that he was thanking God. You know, fervent prayers in the Bible, they do move circumstances. And we must be fervent. We must be steadfast. We must be serious. We must be committed. And I can't prove it, but I believe that Daniel was calm. Because I think he would have thought, God has taken me this far. Why would he abandon me now? I want to say that again. I believe he was calm because he would say, God has taken me this far. Why would he abandon me now? We're all just like the rest of us. It's a statement I heard a long time ago, and I love it because it's so true. Humans are like other humans. We all are just like the rest of us that, you know, God does a miracle for us. God blesses us. God comes through for us. But the next time a circumstance comes, it's like we have no memory of God's faithfulness and his hand sometimes, right? Who's ever experienced that? Where you have to like tell your mind, oh yeah, God came through for me last time. He will come through for me again. But I have an, a moment where I'm, I just forget. 
that God is so faithful. Has anybody else ever experienced that? And so I believe he would have said, I've trusted him this long. I'm not quitting now. I've trusted him through this entire experience. I had every right in the natural to be bitter. I was taken from my homeland. I was made a eunuch. I, basically, my name is gone. I have no seed. I, I can't carry on my name. I have no purpose on this earth. But he decided to be a slave for Christ, pre-Christ, Old Testament, a slave for God, right? A, a man that says, I'll serve God. I can't carry on my name. I'll carry on his name. Amen? He's really the picture of what a real Christian is. And uh, Old Testament. And so I believe that he was calm, but I also believe he was confident because he had seen God move on his behalf and answered prayers so far. So he remembered God answering those prayers. And I, and I was thinking about this, that there are elements of their lives they could have complained about, they could have been confused about. They may have even said something like this. How could this be part of God's plan? How could this be part of God's plan. I say God's got a plan, but how could this be part of his plan? But instead, Daniel focused on all those times he prayed and God answered, and he chose to thank God for his faithfulness instead of listening to the news. Amen. The fourth point that is very, very interesting is that his upstairs room had open windows. And this is very interesting because Daniel, I began to meditate on this. He could have prayed quietly. Daniel could have prayed secretly. He could have prayed three times from a closet or where no one could see or listen. He was even so powerful in the kingdom, I bet you he could have left for a month and went away from the public and sought God in the wilderness like others had. This guy was in, in ranks to be only second to the king of the entire region. I'm sure he could have been like, I want to take a vacation for 30 days. Or not a vacation, but I'm going to, I'm going to go look after these people over there where you won't notice me and just go pray over there. And I don't think God would have condemned him. It would have been a different story. I don't think God would have condemned him for praying that way in, in private. But based on what we see in the scripture, what we see is that Daniel was consistent. Everybody say consistent. Daniel did not move. I mean, talk about someone who does not move based on the circumstances. I don't know what I would have done. I think I would have gone and prayed in secret, but I wouldn't have felt like I was running from God. I would have said, God, they don't want me to pray out there, so I'm going to keep praying, but I'll pray right here until I feel like the Lord told me to go out and be bold about it. I don't know. I'm just saying I'm not sure what I would do. But Daniel does not change. He is unmoved by his circumstances. And I've been saying that phrase throughout this year, to be unmoved by our circumstances. But Daniel was so consistent in his faith, regardless of his circumstances, that he didn't hide because he always, I want you to hear this. Daniel didn't get into some sort of hyper false faith and say, I'm going to go up and pray by the window so they see me. I'm going to show the devil and show the world what real prayer looks like. He didn't do that. He didn't go out there and make a show and make a scene. All he did, what he'd always been doing, and it just happened to be that he always prayed with people listening. It says that he did what he always did. 
and I pray facing, I look to Jerusalem through my open windows, and I'm not going to let you change that. You are not going to change how I worship God and how I pray. Remember, this is why the pilgrims left, because there was a crimping. There was a, they tried to say, this is how you're going to worship, and this is how you're going to pray. Daniel said, I don't want any circumstances, anybody, or any threats, even death itself, to, to restrict me from worshiping how I have always worshiped God and I know is right. Amen. And finally, point number five that I pick up from verse 10 is this, and this is total assumption, but I always warn you when, I, when I'm giving you my opinion and what I think. I don't have proof, but this is what I think, okay? So you had warning. I'm not telling you this what the scripture says, but I wonder if Daniel thought, if I give in to this today, they're just going to ask for more tomorrow. Who knows that that's true? Whether he thought that or not, if we give, right, what happens? You give an inch, they take a mile. Or you give a, give a mouse a cookie, come on, fill it in. What's the rest? He asked for a glass of milk. Come on, you don't know that? That's what happens, right? We cannot give an inch right now. We must be so fervent and so serious. I'm telling you, the Christians, I'm not judging, I'm not naming anyone, right? We'll just say the Christians in the general term, all right? So that you, nobody thinks I'm condemning or anything. But listen, Christians who have given because they feel like that's a better way to reach the world around them, they have lowered their standards because they want to be more relevant, etc. All you're doing is lowering the standard for the enemy to have a better entrance, and he'll just ask for more and more and more. Before you know it, right, the church is no longer the church. It's a time to stand for righteousness, to stand for justice, to stand for peace, to stand for the kingdom of God, and to be unmoved, unaltered even by all of these circumstances. So finally, we get into verse 11. We know what happens. It says, The officials went together to Daniel's house, and they found him praying and asking for God's help. And this is interesting because I thought about this. It's actually commendable in heaven. Isn't this amazing? All of a sudden, I, was, I knew I wanted to preach on this, and I'm writing down my notes. And I got to this point, verse 11, and all of a sudden, I felt from the Spirit of the Lord so encouraged. Because the Bible says that they went there and they found him praying and asking for God's help. But this is what's so cool. They knew he would do this. They knew he would do this. That was the whole point. They set this trap because they knew. Isn't that so commendable? Imagine being a man or woman that they, the enemy sets a trap for you in this nation. They know that you are so consistent in your faith that they'll be able to trap you because they know you won't back down. That is I was like, man, I felt like, because the Bible talks about jewels in our crowns. I don't understand that. And apparently, they don't really matter to us in heaven anyway, because we cast them before him. <laughs> right? We cast our crowns before the Lord. But the Lord puts jewels in our crowns. He builds. He gives us rewards in heaven. There's things we don't understand about heaven. I'm telling you, that day when they came to his house and saw him praying, his crown got lifted out of the archives and had some jewels added to it from the kingdom of heaven. Whether the earth recognized it or people recognized it, God said, man, this, my man Daniel refuses to bow and stand, and he is entrapped. He's entrapped in the very thing that they set him up for. And I knew 
My son Daniel would stand, and so did the enemy, but wait, I'm going to use it. Don't worry, because I'm going to use it. They never expected him to back down. Listen, guys, there's some deeper things. I'm just going to say it this way. I'm preaching a sermon, but there's also another level here. If you hear what I'm saying, you got it. If you don't, it doesn't really matter today. But they expected the reaction that they got. The enemy set a trap for a reaction, and they got the reaction they wanted. They knew that reaction would happen. They knew it, and they said it because they knew that's what these people are going to do. And so it says, they went straight to the king and reminded him about this law. Didn't you sign this law? He says, yes. And then they told the king, verse 13, it's Daniel. And hearing this, verse 14, the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save him. Verse 15, it says that in the evening, they went together and they said, you can't, you have to honor this law. So verse 16, at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. And the king said to him, may your God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you. It was in God's hands. At this point, it's in God's hands. I want you to say that out loud. It's in God's hands. The enemy may try to entrap you. The enemy may even try to entrap this whole nation to bring this thing down. But this nation, just as my life and your life, is in God's hands. Amen. Isn't that so encouraging? May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. And a stone was brought and sealed, just like Jesus' tomb. Don't you love all the, all the pre-Christ um, pictures, too, throughout the whole Bible? All the, the way the names and the things that happened even sealed it, just like Jesus was sealed into the tomb. It's a dead, it's done, it's a done deal. The enemy sealed it, even put his seal on it. It says that the royal seal and the seals of the nobles, sealed, done, finished, no way out. This is it. Goodbye. Nobody escapes from the lions. You're in the tomb. It's finished, done, enemy won. Daniel's righteousness and faithfulness had trapped him in the lion's den. Even the king had been tricked into this situation to trap Daniel. They, trapped, they even tricked the king. And not even the king could save him. God did not ordain this demonic plan, but he allowed it. Come on, I want you to hear this. God did not ordain this demonic plan, but he allowed it to show even the highest ruler in the land, that ultimately he is powerless unless God gives him power and only God can save. Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that amazing? Even the king, the highest in the land, was powerless. This was God's time to shine. I love, man, when you, you put God into a corner, God comes out boxing. Don't put God in the corner, because he's going to win. God doesn't lose. It might appear that he loses for a time. He's over there getting a drink of water, getting his gloves on. It might appear because we're in time, and he's not. There is no time for him. But it looks like that's what he's wasting time. You're taking too long, God. We need you now. 
It's too late. God, you should have been here. God, you should have been here. Jesus, if you'd only been here, Lazarus, he's dead. It's done. It's finished. Jesus, if you had only been here four days ago. God, if you had only come through before we put him in the lion's den, but it's done. It's already sealed. His fate is sealed. Come on, guys. I'm getting excited about what God is going to do for us. He allowed it so that he could show that only God can save. Only God is in control. You may think you're in control, right? Humans think they're in control. We think we can just mock God. We can send rockets to space. We can just bypass God. We just do whatever we want. Who is God and who cares about God, right? Think of all the rulers through our Bible that said that. That's what Egypt said to God. Bye-bye, Egypt. That's what Sennacherib said to Hezekiah. Bye-bye, Sennacherib. You don't mock God. God will not be mocked. That's what his word says. It might seem like God is late, but he's on time every time, all the time. Sorry for some Christianese there, but it's true. It says in verse 19, just like Jesus, very early the next morning, come on, right when that sun comes up. You know what the Bible says? My mercies are new each morning. That sun comes up. Man, the Lord had brand new mercy. Oh, man. And you know what? The light shines in the darkness Everything happens in the darkness. Everything happens in the night. You notice it's always right in the night. You might, maybe you guys can figure out the depth of that. There's some hidden things in that too. But it's always happening in the night. And that's where God is working because he is light. And there is no darkness in him. Not even a shadow in God. Not even a shadow. The darkness cannot touch him. They cannot comprehend him. They cannot understand him. They cannot conquer him. Amen. But it says that when he got there, I'm, I'm wrapping up, guys. Stay with me for these next minutes. It's coming together. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me. I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. Wow. Wow. Do you know Daniel's name that was given to him in, in Babylon was Belteshazzar, which means God is my judge. Today, I'm standing here and this is what we all need to do. God, you're my judge. You want to kill me, God? Go ahead. You can kill me, but you're because you're my judge. I'm going to stand faithfully, though he slay me, right? I'm going to stay faithful. I'm going to stand till the end. I'm going to trust in him until the end. The enemy may plot and plan. Even the highest authorities of the land are unable to save but God is the judge. God is our judge. And he will judge the innocent. He will judge the righteous. And he will judge the malicious evil ones. Because it says, after they bring him out, verse 23, not even a scratch because he trusted his God. Verse 24, the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. And he had them thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And the lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. I read this quote. I told you I had a 
a Civil War quote for you. I had heard it in my in years and years ago, and I've quoted misquoted it throughout the years here at this church. And I finally went last night to look it up. And I'm cl- closing here. I went to look up this quote because I wanted to find exactly what it says. It was by Stonewall Jackson. It said this. It said, Captain, my religious belief teaches me to feel as safe in battle as in bed. God has fixed the time for my death. I do not concern myself about that. But to be always ready, no matter when it may overtake me. Captain, that is the way all men should live, and then all would be equally brave. Isn't that incredible? If we knew our times were in his hands and and this life is not it, I'm trusting in God, and battles come and battles go, and if he decides this is my time, I'm going to be found standing for righteousness and truth and justice when he finds me. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We just give you glory, God. We give you praise, Lord God, and we thank you that you are so faithful. You are a just judge, and we serve you, we trust you, and we thank you, Lord. You're going to do miracles in this year. Lord, we don't look at the circumstances or listen to the news. We are going to stand as your church, and we're going to keep preaching the gospel which you told us to do no matter what. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen.